are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. children ask the fathers, what mean these stones? The fathers gave the answer. I believe tonight I have a chapter in a book on this subject. I believe in generational Christianity. I believe in generational church work. Unless God calls you some other place, I believe it should be one day grandchildren, children, grandpa, and maybe even great-grandpa and great-grandma. This business, we are so fragmented in this country today. There are four generational groups that are alive today. One precedes me. That's called the, in this name, my parents were in this group. Those that were born in the roaring 20s, the 20s, the 30s, and the 40s early 40s, prior to World War II. They're called the traditionalist. Then uh, that group that was uh, born in 1900, and basically they mark it 46. The war's come to a close, World War II. And the older I get, and I'm studying about World War II right now, the more I realize that was the pivotal moment in America's history. Those boys came home from war and you'll see, I've said it before recent days, all the houses around here that were built in the 40s and the early 50s, uh, they began to build those post-war homes and then the car, the, the, the manufacturers uh, went from making munitions and they began to tool up those cars. We didn't have automobiles made during those years of the war and they're making airplanes and tanks and then the cars began to roll out. My generation came along. We get to see the new cars. Oh, it was amazing. I remember in the first ones I really remember is my dad would always take me in uh, September, October, and the, and the uh, searchlights were, there's only Ford, Chevy, and Chrysler products. That's all it was. And I can remember those, uh, they'd soap those windows and, most of the car dealers could hold one car. Turner Ford held one car inside their dealership and, and the Central Chevrolet had two cars in there. We walked in, my dad and I, I saw that sartreuse color and white two-tone, two-door 1956 Chevy and I fell in love with that car. It was beautiful. Be able to see cars and they'd say, this one, about a year or less, so it comes with a heater. It comes eventually with an AM radio. Oh, it was an amazing thing. And mothers were going back from being Rosie the Riveter back to the homes. Men were coming home from war. I, I tell you, that generation, the baby boomers, 1946 to 1964, about, about uh, 20 something years, those were great years. When the baby boomer, my generation grew up. Then we have what's called 1965. 
what they call, uh, secular writers call it the uh, Generation Xers. A lot of you are in that realm, uh, 1965 to 1980. And then we have the Millennials, 1981 to about 2001, 20 years. I pastor all four groups. It used to be, even when I came here 40, almost 44 years ago, it used to be easy because the generational, the millennials, what we call them now, they would look to those traditionalists and all the respect we had for our fathers and grandfathers. The Bible is generational. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. It is Lois, Eunice, Timothy. You look at the Bible, it should be generational. But in this moment, I'm not, I'm not, you hold on to your seatbelt. I'm gonna try to show us how to get along with one another. Because we don't even think on the same page. I'm untying my shoes today again. I don't know how I do that. Brother Brown, you're gonna have to teach me one more time how to do this without having them come undone. Your way doesn't work. By the way, I'm, I don't wanna lose my thought, but Brother Garrett, I wanna tell you about your sweet son that held the line up today. He had a quarter stuck in the pocket. He had to have me see the quarter. I mean, he took 45 minutes to get the quarter out. And he finally got it out. I didn't know, you know, was he trying to give it to, I said, would you like to put it in the radio ministry? He said, no. <laughs> I thought, just like his mother. So that was a hang up and I kind of liked it. It was okay. Those twins are great. You know why? I look at my opportunity and you have the same in business because you have these generations. Somehow you gotta figure out how to get along. I'll show you this. You millennials, and by the way, when I say you millennials, I'm not against you, but uh, about, if, if, if we look about 1981 to right now, how many of you, you're not in the bad seat, you don't have to come forward, how many of you pay your bills online? Would you raise your hand? Would you stand to your feet? All the people that pay their bills on time. You may be seated. Something's wrong with you people. What in the world? How do you, how do you keep track of that? My generation is the printed page. I have no, I know people, and someone's gonna come by, I'm your, in your generation, I use computer, I pay it online. And so you're gonna focus the whole message the next four hours on the fact that you pay online. Thank God that you do. Don't tell me at the door, I won't be at the door, I'll be down here tonight, but I'll see you. And I know some of you are the geeks, you're trying to act young. I can't imagine, how, I, I go, and I'll be somewhere now. Now, I finally have been paying with my ATM. I'm pretty high tech, but I've got to have a receipt every time. How do you keep track? And they always say, no, I don't need a receipt. How do you know what's going on? I know, you just go on 
I, I, Brother Wheeler, I, I know, I know what you folks do. I know you go online, you balance your checkbook in your hand. Weird! <laughs> My generation followed those people of war. In fact, our, office, our, our highest office of the land became a general, the president, Eisenhower. Mr. Obama swung over a million votes his way because he was the first one to learn how to use the iPhone and the Blackberry or whatever you call it and the computer and he registered these millennials and they voted. I'm not saying it's wrong to use a cell phone. It's not saying it's wrong to use a computer. I'm not trying to get you to write checks like I do. I, I do it every month, the bill, I write the checks. Then I take the receipt of the utility bill and I write the check number on there and the date I received it and the date I paid it and the check number is on there and, and I file the way in its file because that's what all good Christians do. We don't think the same. You millennials and I, we don't think the same. But it's my goal to get all four generations to play nice in the sandbox of life. Gonna have to learn to play nice with our little toys in the sandbox. So I'm not suggesting you compromise or I compromise. Because <laughs> I'm not gonna compromise. But I'm open now hold it, let me finish the message. I'm open to listen to the millennials. I have all four groups. I have people born before me on my staff. I have people born around my age on staff. I have the Generation Xers on staff and I have the millennials on my staff. And I tell you, we could not make it without those millennials. They have, they have things, uh, I'll say to them, I wonder could you look this up for me and 13 seconds later, it's printed on my desk. It's an amazing thing. I really wish I knew how to do that. Don't, I'm not learning it. I'm not, why should I learn it when you can do all my work for me? Thanks, Rob. I'm open to the millennial ideas. It's amazing the ideas that brother Reamers has in the Sunday school. It's amazing. Our publication, it's amazing. It's amazing what Brother Luke and Brother Ron can do. That, that They had nearly 2,000 on the buses on, on Easter Sunday. It's amazing the things they came up with. I used to be able to do that, but it's, it's long gone past me up. And it was wonderful at the end of the day to have a, whew, I'm rested. And they were tired. Praise God for that. I'm so open to Brother Moyer. He, he, Brother Moyer has the way. Brother Moyer not in church tonight. Hey, Brother Moyer. How's your coffee doing up there? You're not drinking coffee, are you? But, but I, he, he, can, he can say, no, he has learned that I want to be corrected. We'll do a video together. And he said, you went a little fast. Recut this thing. And you say, well, no, no, I want that. I want to be corrected. 
These millennials choose sometimes some colors I don't like on the printed page. And sometimes I cave because it's not that, it's not that big a deal. Other times I say, you don't like that color, and they're okay with that. We've learned to get along. Brother Poos is a little slow, but he's in this other generation as well. It's true, we, he's, he's more old fashioned. Now hold on, I'm not talking about compromise tonight. It's amazing how things change. My dad was a salesman. We lived over here in Centerville, a few miles away, and he would be getting ready for a business trip. We thought it was such a big business trip. And his business trip would take him to a place called Salinas, California, less than an hour away. And sometimes he'd have to stay overnight because he went to the next city called King City. Wow. We have people commuting in from there. My generation, my dad's generation, we like to get up and get working. And by the way, the millennials work hard. They work different than I couldn't work the way they do. My dad made that big trip to Salinas. But we have scores of you people in this church. You go to work, and you might go early like I do, but you go to work, let's say, at 8, or you, you have no start time. That's the way to be. I go to work about 8, someone says, or 8.30 or 9. But in defense, our people don't drive to Salinas. Every night of their life, beginning at 9 o'clock to midnight, they're on the phone, not with Salinas, but rather Singapore, Japan, Korea, and they're on the phone to the Philippines and India. How many of you generally, most every night, you are on the phone with somebody in another country? Let me see your hands. Scores of hands. Or your company is not gonna send you to Salinas this week. They're gonna send you to Singapore. You folks, Brother Mark, and Singapore is fun, but it's not vacation if you're going to work. Stay home, it's be great. When Brother Mark and his wife moved here some years ago, they had been praying, they were living in Singapore, praying, could we, Lord, be transferred to Santa Clara, California? And they came, and I went to their home to visit them. I said, now Mark talked about work. Where do you work? And he told me the company, whatever it was. And I said, you have a hard commute? He goes, no, it's not too bad. I said, well, how long? He says, well, my bedroom's there and my office is there. That's how far it is. The commute is down the hallway in the same house. I couldn't do that. My wife could not, she's smiling. She couldn't have, get out of the house, leave. It's amazing how different we are. Tonight I wanna to speak to you about some absolutes. There are some things that I or this church, we will not change. We're not changing it. And the truth is, when I speak to you about this, you don't want them changed either. These fathers were asked by the children, what did this mean? And, and dads told them what these stones mean. That's gonna leave that text, and I'll quote all the other scripture tonight. But I'll tell you one thing in our lives that will not change is Jesus Christ. 
My Bible says in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. He's the incarnate Son of God. He is God himself, God in the flesh, in tabernacle among us. We believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Oh, my friend, that is an absolute. And so Prince Charles came out this week and said, and I'm glad what he said, I'm so burdened. He said, I'm so concerned because I'm grateful what he said here. He said in Iraq in 2006, there are 1.5 million Christians, but we're down to 120,000 in 2019 because those others have been slaughtered in genocide. Martyrs for the cause of Christ, down to 120,000, 1.5 million. But then he said this, and I absolutely cannot agree at all with him. He said, we're gonna have to have all religions of all faiths learn to get along with one another and embrace one another's religion. I'm not embracing anything that's not founded on Jesus Christ. I'll be neighborly, I'll be gentleman, I'll wish God speed, I'll try to witness to people, I'll be kind, I'll give, I'll respect, all that, but I'm not saying that this God and this God and this God are like my God, for there's one God and one mediator between God and man, it's the man Christ Jesus. Absolute, that's an absolute. There's no negotiating, it's perfect in, in, in perfection and no compromise. Secondly, I believe in the absolute of W-O-R-K, work. I believe in work. God said six days shalt thou labor. I don't believe eight hour works. A day in the Old Testament was 12 hours. People say, well, my, at the end of the day, I'm tired. You're supposed to be tired because work means toil, sweat, endurance. Six days. My generation's just slightly behind my generation, Brother Sam Fanera. Six days a week, 10, 12-hour days, that's just, that's fun. Your dad, your father-in-law in the factory, all those hours, six days working, working, working. The Bible says, if a man, 2 Thessalonians 3.10, will not work, he should not eat. God's word makes it very clear that we're to help those that are infirmed, or we're to help the widow, and we're to help the fatherless. But friends, if a man will not work, I am not gonna help him. Well, should we have some social program to give him a place to live? No. That's why Bradford and the first uh, governor of, of Virginia, was in that position for 20 years, and he came on the Mayflower, and he came as a teenage boy, and he, 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 he at age 31, elected to the position and stayed for 20 years. That's why they celebrated Thanksgiving, and he gave the edict. 
because they labored, labored for squash and for corn and for beans and for all that they did, they labored. They believed in America would be a country of what they called self-government, where we all did our work. What a joy it is to help the bereaved. What a joy it is to help the hurting. What a joy it is to, blessed is he, Psalm 41, that considereth the poor. What a blessing to consider the poor. But the truth of the matter is, we have more jobs waiting to be filled than people to fill them. Man's supposed to work. And in the country right now, minimum wage is $7.25 an hour, but in Santa Clara, it's $15 an hour. Driving by in and out the other day, I saw a starting pay, 17 bucks an hour. He said, well, for 40 hours, 40 hours? Work two shifts? Sir, you could work two 40, I don't want you to. Our boys, I've told all the college boys, always, all these years, you ought to have a job and a half of the summer. I don't like it when they get two, but some get two. But you just think of 40 hours a week times two is 80 hours. We still got to have 116 hours in a week. Man, it's an absolute, it's supposed to work. Proverbs 31, her hands, the hands of that virtuous woman, she labored with those hands. She worked with those hands. My third absolute. Salvation's an absolute. John 3, 16, for God said together with me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. You get it, you don't lose it. Well, I know that there are some that believe you can lose your salvation. They can believe that all they want, but that's not the word of God. The absolute is once saved, eternal life forever saved. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth on me shall never die. That's the absolute. Number four, the absolute of his presence. Jesus said in the book of Hebrews in chapter number 13, verse five, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. No, never alone. Oh no, never alone. I believe number five in the absolute, you cannot change it, the absolute of marriage. And marriage is a man with a woman. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, father and mother, and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And God says then we're to procreate. Man and men cannot procreate, nor woman and woman. It is a violation against the word of God. It is a shame, the Bible says it's an abomination to God to call that a marriage. God says abomination, a stench in his nostril. God gave them up. Oh friend, I know, I know the news media right now. They had the big headlines on my phone, saw it this week, that we're gonna potentially, they say, have the first gentleman in the White House. Not the first lady. And there he stood holding hands with his husband. 
That's blasphemy to God. And young people that sit in here and young people that listen, there's no such thing in the Bible as man and man and woman and with woman. That is an absolute marriage is a man and a woman. To change this variation, God gave them up to uncleanness, Romans chapter one. Do those things that are not convenient, defiled their flesh, men burning their lusts with men. It's amazing, you read Bradford. He said, I'm now an old man. He was 51 years of age when he wrote that. Didn't have longevity of life. He said, I'm an old man now. But I, in fact, I have it here. Let me read what he said. I was gonna quote it, but I'll read it to you. And he said this. He said, it's marvelous to see. Consider the wickedness of our young people. And children began to leave in groves because they came here seeking religious freedom. Bradford saw that God's plan was in suffering, but he began to doubt that. He said, I began to doubt as I watched our children change. In just 30 years, he said, I began to doubt it. They began to leave their religion and began to leave their families. And we began to see the wickedness, how it grew in the land. Though severely punished, it grew. This could not be suppressed. Breaking out of all sundry notorious sins, drunkenness, uncleanness, incontinence between persons who are not married immorality is what he's talking about, and adultery with married persons, and even worse, he said, even sodomy, and other sins that's too fearful to name. This was Plymouth Rock, they landed there, and immediately corruption begins. I want you to know God's people that God's plan for marriage is male and female. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. We're told that 60% of Christian young millennials believe that now it is an option. It isn't an option. It's a disgrace to God. It's telling God, I can make a new way. God, you messed up. It's an absolute I can say this, number six, which is an absolute. The Bible has been preserved, and for us it's been preserved in the King James Version of the Bible. I want you to listen very carefully. I want every pastor to listen right now. Psalm 119, verse 89. Forever, O Lord, thy works are settled in heaven. God's Word has been has been has been preserved. It is inspired. It is infallible. It's the word of God. I want every pastor to listen to me. For forty-four years, this July, our church has been open. Never one time, other than the King James Bible, has ever been opened in this pulpit by the pastor by missionaries, by evangelists, 44 years. I'm not changing. In every school classroom, for 42 years of a Christian school, we have had only the King James Bible by faculty and every single student. 
we have read from this pulpit from the King James Bible. We have not taken from the RSV, the ASV, the Good Speed Bible, the Good News for Modern Man. We haven't taken from the, the Bible that took the blood out 700 times. We have only preached from the Bible. Every class for 23 years in college, every message for 23 years in the college, every professor has only used the King James Bible. Back off! We are a school and a church and a ministry and support missionaries with, thank God, the King James Bible. I labor that tonight. I know you young theologians in those dorms, you had this theory, two or three or four of you, I don't know who, but you had the flat earth theory this year. That's about the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. You ever look up to the flat moon? You ever look in a satellite? You ever see the curvature at the horizon? Have you ever figured that thing out? Oh, maybe it's not flat. Oh, I know some people have propagated this for about 600 years now. But God says, Isaiah, it's a circle. And if God says it, that's an absolute. And if God says all scripture is given by inspiration of God, God had to preserve his word and he did. And we use it. And I plan to change it. You know, people don't believe like that around you. Well, if they don't, they're not going to be here long. I've been doing it for 44 years. What do you think? Come on. I want to tell you, the Bible is absolute. The church is absolute. And it's going to be around regardless of what the media is telling us now that it's going down. It's an amazing thing. I have this article on my desk three weeks ago, said church attendance is falling apart and it's going downhill and people aren't going and they're closing the doors. I know all that. The next week I had an article from Harvard said church attendance is up. Someone's not giving us the right information, but I'm not gonna follow the pundits and I'm not gonna follow the, the polls. I'm gonna follow the fact that God says upon this rock, Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He's coming back for his people. Thank God for the church. We'll say, well, we can do church on Saturday. No, you can't. Upon the first day of the week, 1 Corinthians 16, let every one of you lay by him in stores. God has prospered him. The first day. We gather together to honor the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're getting this thing going now. Well, Saturday, let's get it out of the way so we have all day Sunday. No, Sunday, I love it. It's the Lord's day, a holy day, not a holiday. Thomas, they gather together, resurrection. They gather together upon that first day, not on Saturday, but on that first day, resurrection day. They gather together. Thomas was missing. Jesus showed up. Came back and he said, he said, Jesus was here. Where were you, Thomas? I won't believe it unless I thrust my hand in his side. Jesus revealed himself to him. Guess where the next four verses later, five verses later, what Thomas was doing eight days later, he was on the first day. We, he gathered together at the first day. We are not changing Sunday worship on Saturday night. Well, it's the wave. The millennials like it. The generations like it. The baby boomers like it. 
The traditional like, I don't care what they like, I'm gonna stick with what God said around here. The church is absolute. I believe Bible separation is absolute. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. You don't win a nation by becoming like the world. You become be like Jesus is my song. I believe that 1 John 2, 15 through 17, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We will not reach this wicked, dying, without Christ generation by compromise and capitulating and giving in. Say, well, they like it this way. What happened to a leather-lung father or mother or a preacher that stood and said, thus saith the Lord? I believe, lastly, in the absolute of apostasy, a departure from the faith. Jude 3 and 4, but he says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful and to write and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. For there be some which creep in among you, seeking their own, by the way. It's a big self day. Second Peter chapter number three, and many shall follow their pernicious ways. And Acts chapter 20, after my departure shall grievous wolves come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise and saying perverse things. Why are we always on the hunt for, well, here's something new and sensational. Why don't we can just find out that there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's vein and sinners plunge beneath that blood lose of all their guilty stain. Let's stand together, please. Our Father, there's some absolutes tonight. And oh, I pray that our church would not compromise on any of the absolutes. I pray that we would stand true to thee in these summer months now. In May, June, July, and in August, I pray that we would not give in or give up or give over. I pray that we would, as traditionalists or as baby boomers or Generation X or the millennials, that we might realize that something's been passed down to us by our fathers. Our heads are bowed. I think in my generation, how we, in college and in my whole ministry, I looked to those old men, and I thought they were so great. I'm gonna tell you something. The young boys don't wanna look back to the old men now. They wanna look to their peers and to the internet and to compromisers. You boys that graduate on Wednesday night, you be careful. A lot of winds of doctrine out there, and they'll take you down a path of destruction. And I think we can get by without Sunday night. No, you cannot. So much the more as you see the day approaching. Well, I think we can tamper with the music. No, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody in your heart to God. If you're here without Christ, this is a night to get saved. If you're here about burdened about our country, this is a night to come and pray. You're burdened about your own life. Let's keep this thing right before God. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.